This special Answers for Elders podcast honoring military veterans is sponsored by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E dot com. Well, this is Chuck Olmstead, and we're at Patriots Landing. And uh, our Answers for Elders veterans interview today is with Richard Dobson. He's a retired major, U.S. Army Special Forces. And uh, Richard, I want to welcome you today to uh, Answers for Elders. Thank you. Yeah. Well, uh, you and I just had an opportunity to uh, introduce ourselves to each other, and I just love uh, hearing people tell their stories. And uh, we obviously like to talk about your service uh, as a as a major in the U.S. Army, but uh, I always like to go back and find out a little bit about your history and uh, where you grew up and what uh, what family was like. So. Uh, where, where, what part of the country did you grow up in? Okay, I was born and raised in Renton, Washington. Oh, in Renton. Okay, <laughs> so, so I'm a native Washingtonian. Uh-huh. Uh huh. I enlisted uh, October first of 1957, uh, rather than get drafted. And within a year, uh, I was fortunate enough to uh, apply for a reserve commission in the uh, Signal Corps, because that's what I was enlisted-wise. I'd had four years ROTC and uh, three years of reserve time. However, I didn't graduate because I didn't like to go to class. <laughs> and uh, that was the cause of my, my father passing away in 57. And uh, I'd enrolled in two summer courses, mm-hmm. and uh, unfortunately didn't have a test yet, but uh, uh, I withdrew. They failed me for not t- going through the proper administrative procedures, and that put me as next on the draft list, yeah. so I enlisted. Well, so I guess I didn't realize that after the Korean War that there was still a draft going on I didn't know it was that active of a draft. Of course, I knew uh, during Vietnam that was happening, but there was still an active draft happening during those times in 57. Apparently. Because <laughs> you, <laughs> you were one that I, got drafted. I was going to be the next one, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, drafted, so what happened next with you? <clears throat> well, I, uh, I got the reserve commission, but... Uh, Signal Corps said it'd be uh, at least two and a half years before uh, they'd have a uh, opening to activate me from reserve status, and uh, so I went and visited uh, a fraternity brother of mine. Uh, I was an Alpha Sigma Phi at the University of Washington, who was in Na- Navy Communications in Washington D.C. And this particular Sunday, uh, he introduced me to this uh, colonel. Uh, who happened to be uh, a full colonel, who happened to be the uh, recruiting officer for the Surgeon General's Office for the Medical Service Corps, which was the non-doctor uh, mm-hmm. uh, part of it. And uh, he just uh, he, uh, he told me to come see him Monday morning, next day, and we'd discuss it more. And uh, so I did, and he just finished telling me that uh, it'd be at least a year because we're just starting a new uh, officer orientation course. 
uh, which I would be 10 days late uh, <coughs> arriving to. And uh, the phone rang, and it was a call from Fort Sam Houston, Texas, and a new uh, lieutenant uh, did pass his entry physical to active duty, so there's one vacancy. So I talked uh, hard and strong uh, with the colonel and told him that I, there'd be no problem with my background uh, of uh, catching up 10 days late mm -hmm. and uh, convinced him. So he told me before I left his office that uh, he would have orders uh, uh, sent the next day uh, transferring me from Signal Corps reserves to the Medical Service Corps. And that uh, probably three or four days after that, orders would be issued activating me and sending me to Fort Sam Houston for, for that course and that all was accomplished. Interesting. And uh, that was 1958, 57, 58? It was, <clears throat> it was uh, 1958. Mm -hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so I got there. I uh, went through the six-month course, uh, graduated, was reassigned to the U.S. Army Medical Training Center, which uh, was where they trained uh, uh, mostly new medics. And uh, I stayed there until uh, uh, October 1961 when I was reassigned to Korea. And that's where I had my first uh, uh, association with the uh, U.S. Army Special Forces. And... Uh, a detachment that was there. So when I got, uh, I, I applied for special forces before leaving Korea and was accepted. So I went from Korea to Fort Bragg, North Carolina, and into the uh, uh, special forces officer training. Mm -hmm. uh, successfully graduated from that. Uh, that was... Uh, October of 1962 and uh, went to the 5th Special Forces Group and uh, <clears throat> that was one of the new uh, special, uh, special Force Groups that uh, President uh, JFK uh, activated and uh, I stayed there, and it filled up, and uh, I was fortunate enough to, uh, to be signed to a B Company, and they were one of four Special Forces teams that had been selected to go with the C Detachment, which was the, the, the company headquarters that I was actually assigned to as a, the MSC officer. And... Uh, we left in July of 63 for Vietnam. Hmm. As special forces. As special forces. And that's before special forces was uh, uh, considered as a separate branch. So uh, officers were uh, uh, attached to special forces for whatever length of time they stayed there. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, 
I was headquartered in Natrang and uh, responsible for uh, uh, finishing, setting up the medical supply warehouse for all support of all special forces teams in Vietnam. And uh, But I traveled around the, the country to the different special forces camps, uh, uh, checking if I could help anyway. And... Uh, <clears throat> which uh, I did, and uh, so I was there for six months, uh, July 63 to January 1964. Mm-hmm. And, uh, <clears throat> now, was there much, uh, there was some fighting going on, but it hadn't escalated as much as it did, like in no, 67? No, it, it, it and- didn't. However, there was, there was absolutely no uh, other uh, U.S. Uh, military force uh, to back us up. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there wasn't any uh, Air Force. A few um, uh, U.S. Uh, Air Force pilots that uh, were training uh, South Vietnamese uh, to fly, uh, if you want to call it armed, had small machine gun in it, a, a T-78, which was actually a trainer. Mm-hmm. And uh, but we didn't get much support from that. Mm-hmm. Our big, biggest mission was uh, <coughs> was work with the Montagnards, the Mountain People, of which uh, the French didn't uh, hated them, and North Vietnamese hated them, the Viet Cong uh, uh, hated them. Uh, but they, they, they're Aborigines, actually, and they had enough. Uh, different tribes that they had no common language so we taught them English and mm-hmm. a little bit of French for those of us that had that mm-hmm. but uh, we trained them armed them taught them how to fight and so forth they're I, I would say as far as I'm concerned they're probably the, the best fighters we had supporting us interesting so as a, a major in the Special Forces in Vietnam in the mid-60s, what were your specific responsibilities? Well, I, I was actually uh, a captain. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I got to Vietnam. I see. Mm-hmm. And uh, my responsibilities were uh, still... Uh, more the medical supply end of it, mm-hmm. even though I had uh, uh, training in uh, field medicine and so forth. And uh, <clears throat> assisting wherever I could, and uh, even to the point that uh, I had enough training that if we had a uh, special forces medic uh, that uh, was had some minor injuries and so forth, I could pitch in and mm-hmm. help out. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I was in a special forces uh, camp in the Delta called Tan Fu, which uh, Major James Dick Rowe, uh, which was West Point lieutenant, uh, a personal friend of mine, we went over together. 
<clears throat> he went went on a an operation with a, uh, a captain uh, Umberto Rocky Versais, who was the uh, ranger uh, advisor to the South Vietnamese Ranger Battalion down in Kamau, which is the southern tip of South Vietnam. He extended to go on this operation. Uh, bad information that uh, they got from the district chief, and they were overwhelmed, ultimately mm. overrun. Uh, <clears throat> Nick was a prisoner for five years, wrote a book called Five Years to Freedom, which is now mandatory reading for special forces types. Uh, I was in the camp when they they got captured, and I was there in the, the camp when he escaped for the fifth time back uh, five years later, mm. and uh, arranged the medical vac chopper to, to help rescue him, and met with them. And yeah, you know, I was thinking as, as I was hearing you, and you mentioned helicopters. Um, as I've seen various documentaries and and uh, about. Uh, the Korean War and the Vietnam War. The Vietnam War really <clears throat> wasn't that a war that kind of transitioned as far as transportation for medical purposes, that the Huey helicopters kind of uh, became the workhorse and, and quick evacuation out of the the war uh, areas to the back lines. Did that, in your mind, help transform um, medical services as opposed to people having to take care of guys on the front lines where they were able to transport them back? Is, is, is that an accurate statement? That yes, yes, it is. And, and, and uh, uh, actually, uh, U.S. military uh, reinforcements and so forth, they really didn't start coming into uh, Vietnam until uh, late '64. Mm-hmm. And uh, <clears throat> so it, it it was really difficult when you didn't have backup mm-hmm. and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, in, in consolidating the uh, the uh, villages uh, for the mountain yards and and, uh, and certain numbers of uh, South Vietnamese, so that. They, they were able to protect themselves mm-hmm. more easily and also give us some support. Um, <clears throat> we identified uh, tunnel systems in uh, Vietnam. Uh, actually, the uh, uh, American Special Forces initially uh, identified them back in 61. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but they were there. Um, we reported them, but uh, nothing ever got done. Mm-hmm. And at Coochie um, and Anlong, uh, a couple of bases at, uh, uh, I forget which one the 25th had and which one he, uh, the Air, Air Cav had, but uh, they, had, they had tunnels underneath those. Mm-hmm. And they 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 were big enough that uh, you could drive a deuce and a half through them. Wow! And uh, 
one that uh, I did ultimately go down, even had a uh, complete civilian village. In the tunnel? In it, for the families of right. the hmm. uh, Viet Cong and North Vietnamese, and a hospital. Wow. They were monstrous. Yeah. And, uh, One of the movies that I've watched several times, and maybe you'll recognize this name, was a Mel Gibson movie called We Were Soldiers. And I don't know if you are familiar with that movie or not, but that was early Vietnam-era story, and I cannot recall the the uh, the Air Cav uh, uh, unit that, that that was about. Do you recall that movie? It seems like... Uh, I do, and, uh, but uh, the, 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 the real details uh, have sort of slipped me. Yeah. It's, it's been a lot of years, and I'm 83 now. You know, <laughs> yeah. I lose my memory a little bit. But, but uh, just showing the the the, the caves and, and the... the um, the tunnels that were built in the oh, infrastructure yeah. in, in the fact, mountainsides. In fact, it was, uh, that was, uh, <clears throat> I used to know the Lieutenant Colonel's name who, uh, who, uh, actually, uh, uh, commanded that unit. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they, they, they probably had the first major, uh, hostile mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and whatnot and, uh, did fantastic job. Yeah. So uh, we've got about five minutes left, and I want to make sure that uh, we have your whole story. So what happened after Vietnam? Did you retire, or did you stay in the military? No, I'm, uh, I, I, I went back to Vietnam a couple more times, and uh, my last tour in Vietnam was uh, October 68 to October 69. From there, I went to uh, uh Japan mm-hmm. to the 106 General Hospital, which was a 1,500-bed Army hospital. We never had less than 1,250 patients uh, in Yokohama. And uh, I was there for three years. Mm-hmm. And then uh, when I left there, uh, I wanted to go to uh, Germany, and I hadn't been there, but... Uh, but this colonel I knew in Washington, he called me up and said uh, he'd be over to, to see me and fine. And uh, he didn't say yes or no, but when he got there, he said, no, I couldn't go back. I, I, I wasn't going to go to Germany. He said, I had to go back to the United States because I've been out so for so many years that uh, I need to become Americanized. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> so I said, do I have any choice? He said, well, within reason. I said, all right, I'd like to go to Hawaii and go to Chaminade University, which was Chaminade College of Honolulu. Mm-hmm. It's a university now. And bootstrap. And uh, get a degree, and then I'd like my last four and a half years at Fort Lewis to retire. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, Got both of them. So that's what you did? Yeah. So and retired what year? I retired at the end of November of 77 with mm-hmm. uh, over 23. And um, <clears throat> then I got recalled uh, January 1st of 91 for Desert Shield, Desert Storm. Out of 14 years retirement at age 57. 
but the Army could recall uh, officers and NCOs uh, out of retirement if you had something that they needed. Right. Without your concurrence to age 60. Mm-hmm. Well, we contested it. They recalled five officers and 85 NCOs. We all had more than two tours in Vietnam, and uh, they accepted our not wanting to go play in the sand. Right, right. And uh, so we all went to uh, the U.S. Army Personnel Center in St. Louis, which was the name of the headquarters that controlled all of the Army Reserves in the United States. Gave them nine, nine months and... And then that all was kinds a... of stories there too, but uh, <laughs> yeah, and then uh, uh, went back into retired yeah. status, and uh, then uh, had a couple of own businesses, and, mm-hmm. and uh, now you're done. Now I'm done, and yeah. here at uh, Patriots Landing. Yeah. How did you make? How did you come to Patriots Landing? Well, I I, I knew about it back uh, while I was stationed in Fort Lewis. While I was still on drawing board and whatnot. And that originally was supposed to be predominantly, if not wholly, a, a, a military retirement community. Uh-huh. But there's so many of them that uh, it, uh, it doesn't work that way. So, uh, you know, they got, they got to fill their space and whatnot. Right. And then uh, <clears throat> my first wife of 46 years uh, marriage uh, passed away from... Diabetes two and lung cancer and a few other things. Uh, January second uh, of of uh, two thousand three. Then I met my second wife, a Welsh lady. Uh, I played steel tip darts, English darts, and my dart throwing partner was his mother. Huh? She was over visiting. And I met her uh, August eighth of uh, of o uh, four. And uh, as things go, uh, a year later, uh, after making a couple, three trips to England and whatnot, uh, getting the uh, special visa and whatnot, we got married uh, January 13th of 05. And uh, she passed away from inoperable pancreatic cancer mm. on uh, March 15th of 2017. Oh, my. And uh, mm. so that's when I started talking to the folks here mm-hmm. and uh, I've got family in the area mm-hmm. a daughter that works at the American Lake VA hospital on the maintenance side and uh, she's my intermediary mm-hmm. and uh, so when a uh, cottage opened up and uh, you may be aware that uh, they've got 25 cottages here four of them are their premium ones mm-hmm. 1696 square feet and the others are all 1,640-some-on-something. But uh, when one of them finally came available, uh, would be available the 1st of February of uh, 2018, I uh, decided that, well, if I, did, if I didn't take that one, I wouldn't get one. Right. So uh, I started paying on it the 1st of February and became a absentee resident and moved moved in here uh, actually less than a month ago interesting yeah and, uh, so I'm, I'm here to stay here to stay yeah. well it's a it's a wonderful place and some great people yes it is yeah 
Well, I want to thank you. I've been interviewing uh, Richard Dobson. He's retired Major U.S. Army Special Forces, and I want to thank you for joining me today on Answers for Elders Radio. My pleasure. Thank you. This has been a special Honoring Veterans presentation of Answers for Elders, brought to you by Carriage. For more information about Carriage, the website is C-A-R-E-A-G-E.com. Hi, I'm Lori LeBay, and I wanted to tell you about Alzheimer's Speaks, which is another great podcast. You see, my own mother lived with dementia for 30 years, and I felt lost. Did you know every three seconds someone in the world is being diagnosed with dementia? Odds are it's going to hit your families too. We want to help you connect to services, products, tools, research, and stories so you can be prepared. Please subscribe to Alzheimer's Speaks on your favorite podcast platform.